morning. This is Natalie. This is Siobhan. And welcome to Hysterical, our history podcast. Welcome back, actually. Shivy, what are we talking about this week? Uh, today we're going to talk about Jonestown, which <laughs> you thought was Jamestown. No, no, I thought it was Roanoke. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even... For the longest time that you were saying Jonestown, I was like, I thought they just like wrote something on a tree and that was sort of the end of the story. Like, is there really... I think it's because I thought... Roanoke to Jamestown, Jamestown to Jonestown. Yeah, I no, think. that's fair. I mean, I guess I could talk about Pocahontas and John Smith, like, at length, but... But I think I'd rather hear about John Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, as you know, I am obsessed with true crime and cults, because I, yeah, so the- I just think they're really interesting. Like, how do they happen? I think you l- love to be horrified up until the point where... It's too much because over the summer you would like call me and be like, ah, I just watched too much true crime. You have to sleep over. I'd be like, why, why do you do this to yourself? And like this, the screen door would slam shut and I would call you huddled in my closet. Like, no, they're here. They're here for me. They're, they're here come. and they're taking me. <laughs> and it's too and late. And you're my last phone call. You- <laughs> okay. Let me start. Okay. So uh, let me just ask, what do you know? I know very little about cults in the United States in general. There's a couple like buzzwords that come to mind. You've got Kool-Aid, you've got Sharon Tate, you've got Manson, <laughs> you've got and that that's actually it. <laughs> that's actually Okay, the so end of you the know list. like little to none of the premise of this story. So okay. so very that's little. Exciting. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna start with a little background on Jim Jones, i.e. Okay. Jonestown. But the the church or like the religion that they all ascribe to was called the People's Temple. And the People's he, Temple. That is so wonderfully vague. <laughs> that means absolutely nothing at all. And he was like the leader. So we're okay. going to start with like how did he end up where, you know, where it ends up. Um, so he was born in 1931 in like really rural Indiana during the Great. Um, and then... Not during the Great Depression. I'm not an idiot. Due to the Great Depression, his family, like, had no money. And as okay. n- as no one did in rural Indiana at the time. So they moved to, like, a neighboring town called Lynn. And he would spend – this is really sad. He would spend his childhood and his ad- adolescence in a shack without plumbing. And, and that is sad, but I feel like – Insofar as that's an attempt to make me feel bad for him. No, no, no. Like, oh, oh, wait till I get to the next point. You'll no longer feel bad for him. Great, great. Because I'm like, I, I, I don't feel bad for, for Shaq uh, uh, Boy over here. No, no, no. We, at no point in this story are we apologizing for Jim Jones's Okay, questions. great. Because people that knew him at this time, he was remembered as being a, quote, really weird kid. And that's, oh, that's always how it starts, isn't it? Oh, it gets worse. Who was obsessed with religion and death and spent a great amount of time reading reading religious and political theory. Like, okay, eight-year-old reading Joseph Stalin, no. Mao Zedong, Mahatma Gandhi. Did I say that wrong? No. Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi and Adolf Hitler. That is, that, that's a nightmare. Sure. That's a nightmare. Nightmare blunt rotation. rotation. <laughs> right? So he's just like sitting around reading that. Gandhi's just kind of thrown in there. Yeah, he was no- just like, Meh. Maybe I should read the other side. Um, and then he would often invite his friends over. His friends. Let's, yeah, let's air friend. quote derogatory. <laughs> or just one friend. <laughs> one single friend. To funerals in the backyard of animals he had killed. 
like the uh, uh, sociopathic tendencies. I already don't like this. I already feel very distressed, <laughs> which is my least favorite emotion. Okay. It gets like a little better for like a while, and then, and then maybe gonna, like you're gonna have to go like la 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 la. It's gonna get really bad for me. Um, so his father was an active member of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, of course, yeah. Which grew like if you we could do a whole podcast on the history of the Ku Klux Klan and how it moved across the country. But in Great Depression era Midwest, it was like massive, which has its own history. Um, and due to this, his mom left. Uh, his dad. Okay, Mrs. Jones. Yeah. All right. I mean, so yeah, he moves right. to Richmond, Indiana with his mother and he graduates from like Richmond High School a year early. So like he is, I mean, he was reading Marxist theory at like <laughs> Marxist quotes, theory at eight. So like he is ridiculously smart. Like let's give him that. Okay. So he graduates like whatever, a year early. Um, and after high school, I don't really understand how he doesn't get a job, but I guess it's, like, rural Indiana. He works at Richmond Hospital, like, as an orderly. And he would meet, I'm going to butcher her name, Marceline Baldwin. Okay. And the two would be married in 1949. So now we're in 1949. Okay. Okay, so he and Marcy get hitched. Yeah, they're hitched. So they're like, there's nothing for us in Richmond. We're going to move to the boom and big city of Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to go Bonnie and Clyde in Bloomington. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to go to Indiana University and get a degree in God knows what. Um, and she's like going to do, I don't know if she's a housewife. It's like very unclear because she quickly gets left aside for pol- polygamous marriages. <laughs> um so at Indiana University, he attends a speech by Eleanor Roosevelt, and it is quoted as being about the plight of black people in America, and he gets this kind of, like, renewed, not renewed, like, this new interest in, like, activism and civil rights. So we're talking, like, this is, like, 51, 52, even, maybe even earlier. So, like, the, the civil rights movement, obviously, like, brown the board is going to happen in three years. Right. So he, like, is on the precipice of this. But we're going to see just, like, how... I'm struggling to square the fact that he was, like, an eight-year-old reading Mein Kampf, and now he's, like, civil right? Like, this well, is not really see, adding up see. for me, but okay. And, I mean, that's what's kind of interesting about cults and why I think, like, they're successful, and you'll see it. Like, the People's Temple in its originality, like... As much as it did harm, it did a lot of really good things for the community. All right, why don't you just go join them? <laughs> okay. Um, so he begins. Okay, it's 1951 when he hears okay. the speech in Bloomington. Jones begins to attend meetings of the Communist Party USA. Okay, and he begins to get really frustrated during the McCarthy hearings about communists being persecuted. By the, and is quoted by saying, how can I demonstrate my Marxism? And my thought was, I have to infiltrate the church. Because <laughs> what? And I just want to... big plans. Big I just want to put in a little note that Karl Marx was not on the list of people he was reading as a child. So this is not to negate communism in <laughs> any way and or Marxism. That is not the root of this evil. <laughs> Who yeah. is the root of this evil? <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> She's 
was like, don't look at me. The don't root of this me. evil is a shack in Lynn, Indiana. Okay? <laughs> if everyone could just have a good childhood. Okay. So he begins to, like, microdose churches. Okay. <laughs> he just, like, goes around and, like, trying to see which one fits. Um, which, like, could, that's one way to do religion. He's, like, Goldilocksing it. He's, like, mm. Yeah, he's, like, mm. I'm not a Methodist. Yeah. <laughs> Catholicism has way too much guilt for what I have planned. <laughs> it's, he's like, I, I, I'm sinning too fast to keep up with confession. He's like, I heard of this guy in Russia, Rasputin. I really fuck with what he was doing. <laughs> they're the same. They're like cut same from the same. Eat. They're cut from the same cloth. Um, okay. So in 1952, after he's like gone around, he witnessed a faith healing in a Seventh-day Baptist church, which is the religion of Lane Kim in Gilmore Girls. In Gilmore Girls. (laughs) That's a bad look for Lane. Um, And then rather than being impressed by, like, the fact that they healed someone. And again, technically, Like a divine healing. um, It piqued his interest because he sat around and saw how many donations were given to the congregation after the healing was performed. He was like, mm. damn, they're making a lot of money and they ain't getting taxed because <laughs> we don't tax religious institutions in this country. <laughs> um, and so he's like, screw it. I'm going to do this myself. He breaks off from a religion that he was barely a part of <laughs> and starts a charity named Wings of Healing, which would later be named the People's Temple. So it starts off as a charity. Yeah. and it And it's like... It does raise money for good causes. Okay. Like, in right now in the 50s, shit has not gotten bad yet. Okay. Just wait until the amphetamines get involved, oh, and then, okay. then things really start. <laughs> then we're on speed. <laughs> so he pairs up with, like— A charity on speed? Then you could really get some work done. <laughs> you could I'm really sure everyone some changes. <laughs> um, so he pairs up with two other preachers who are traveling and performing health— healing miracles across the country. Um, so it's, like, kind of like the mega churches of now where it's, like, you know how, like, people faint at yeah. those things? It's, like, one of those. They're, like, speaking. It's, in, like. That's so weird. When I was home this weekend, I was, like, imitating someone from, like, the tele-evangelical. They're, like, so you're saved. Like, <laughs> they're, like, send donations, you know, because they're trying it's to like send It's, like, somewhere between like the second great awakening in the burned over district where that was like actual political theory. Okay. And the mega churches, like we're somewhere in between right now in the 1950s. So does he actually believe this or was it like he saw the cash flow and was like, I'm trying to get in on this. No, he saw the cash flow and he wanted to get in on it. Okay. I mean, that's what a lot, it's hard to know what his original intentions were. I think he was just a really smart dude who wanted to be rich and saw this as a way an avenue within, and then once he gained like the notoriety and the power, he became addicted to that. Yeah, but I mean, he obviously there is some ideology behind it because with the whole you know the communist aspect and yeah, and I think he began to at some point believe what he was preaching. Like I think in the beginning he knew what he was doing, and then when he, he after he repeated that the world was going to end seventeen million times, he was like, oh maybe he, it is fucking ending. He Stockholm syndrome <laughs> himself. No, I actually like, think he I might became. Have. <laughs> I became reliant and dependent on my crazy alter ego. And I think that's what happens to people who use crystals in manifestation. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, you just lost <laughs> half of our viewer base. <laughs> I have a crystal in my room. I bought one this weekend at the farmer's market. <laughs> so, like, I okay, hate myself. Try too. not to start any cults with it. Um. So while he's on this like worldwide or countrywide tour, like, he's Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> he starts to announce that he's the prophet Elijah, which is who is prophesized to come back before the second coming. And uh, that the end of the right. world was coming, rapture was coming. So this is when that whole narrative starts. That like he is a vehicle of God's voice and the end of the world is coming and he knows and that is, because God is speaking to him. God is screaming and, at and him. And this is when I ask the question, what does God's voice sound like? Because <laughs> I want to know. Because I have a lot of questions for that man. I feel like it kind of sounds like, like, I don't know, Martin Freeman. No, I feel like it's too good. Like it, Morgan Freeman. I feel How like it's a little Martin? squeaky. Morgan. I mean, he doesn't talk that much. He has like one prophet every generation. I don't know. I feel like it's deep <laughs> and, and and passionate, soulful. Probably. A lot of bass in it. Okay. So by the late 1950s, Jones was known to regularly study Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and he had this kind of like mentor who was, like, an actual member of a church called Father Divine, which, like, yes, like, he was a little bit of a pseudo, but, like, he actually believed in his religion. And that's when he began, between the two of them and their ideologies, learn how to, like, manipulate people and members of the People's Temple. And Father Divine told Jones personally to find an enemy and to make sure they know who the enemy is as it will unify those in the group and make them subservient to him. Okay, this just sounds like the Republican National Convention. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The Southern Strategy. Um, No, it does. It literally does. That is a Southern Strategy. Like, uh, But basically... What he is like is he says that the end of the world is coming. That's who he is like is out to get us. The enemy is the apocalypse, the nameless, faceless apocalypse. Well, and kind of like what the U.S. government is going to do to keep people who are rich surviving the apocalypse. Which, like, fair enough. So he's 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 wading into the the river of doomsday. Yeah theory. Like uh, well, like, wait till he moves to California. Okay. Then we're really like, <laughs> Okay, so I wrote, I guess, okay, this is where it starts, it begins to get mildly interesting. <laughs> Obviously, this man is a psychopath. Like, he has one of the triads or whatever it's called <laughs> that they, like, say isn't, like, the same anymore. But, like, he was having funerals for animals he killed. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's psychopathic or sociopathic. Um... This is, he does some good, like, amongst all of the evil and the mass murder he commits. Okay. He helped to... Well, even a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) I just don't even want to give him an inch. During this time, he helped to racially integrate churches, restaurants, the uh, Bloomington Telephone Company, the Indianapolis Police Department, a movie theater and amusement park, and the Inder... And the Indiana University Health Methodist Hospital. So, like, okay. Um, and so that prompted a lot of outrage from the white community. So he was not well liked by the white community. And so, like, there's accounts of swastikas being drawn on their house, which, like, I'm like, wouldn't, wouldn't he enjoy that? But yeah, again, just- um, <laughs> 
And so he like was very I, I don't know. He was he was doing good at this point in the like mid fifties. He set up sting operations to catch restaurants refusing refusing to serve black customers after um Suffer by e- Brown v. Board, thank you, was overturned. Um, and he's, he, how many hours are in his day? I mean, this is a lot. He's forming what will become a cult. He's but I think like right by, now he doesn't know it's a cult. Like I think right now he's just like these are people that give me money to like do the things that I want to do. You know what okay. I mean? Like, right now, he's not... He's, like, at some point, like, I want to make these people subservient to me. But, like, <laughs> he hasn't really started speed yet. <laughs> so, he was accidentally placed in the black ward of a hospital after a collapse in 1961, but refused to be moved. He began to make beds and empty the bedpans of his fellow patients, and political pressures resulted, resulting from his actions um, caused hospital officials to desegregate all the wards. So, like, it's some good... Okay. Let's so, give him an inch. Yeah, Maybe yeah, a yeah, centimeter. Yeah. <laughs> Some good. Again, like, the after the string events, it becomes, like, massive public outrage. And many threats are taken against him, like, bomb threats. People leave dead animals outside his house. Again, I want to be like, that's something that he yeah. enjoys. But <laughs> And Jones and... Okay, now we got Marcy back. Okay. So they adopt several children. No, no. Like multiple children. <laughs> And begin Don't to take, bring the kids into this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they really get involved. Oh. And begin to take the stance that integration was a personal issue because did it they, now involved the children of their family. Oh, so they adopted. Did, it's like I didn't put the list in. It's like one of them was Native American, one was black. One okay. was, like it was they, – they did have – and they called it a rainbow family. They, they I mean, I feel like that's really gross to yeah. say, but <laughs> that's what they called it. And so, like, as this pressure is mounting and he's realizing, like, there isn't that much for us here in Bloomington in terms of manipulating people into giving me millions of dollars. <laughs> so in the mid-1960s, so also, like, this is during the Civil Rights Movement. Right. So, like, there is a lot of activism going on in the country, which becomes important later. They the family picks up and they're like there's nothing for us in the Midwest and they leave for the far more progressive Northern California, which is also when people like start to believe he really got entrenched in the idea of nuclear holocaust because <laughs> there was like a Life magazine I don't know exactly where it was that said listed like the nine places to survive nuclear holocaust and Northern California was one of them so he was like. Let's fucking go. Um, And they bring at least 100 of their Midwestern followers with them. And it's unclear if those people are, like, very much people's temple people or if they're, like, well, this is a way to have money and shelter and survive the nuclear holocaust that they also believe is coming. It's, like, unclear if these people are, like, devout Jim Jones followers or doomsday preppers. (laughs) Um, and also, when I include facts that don't seem like they come from anywhere, it is due to the fact that on the worst day of my life, I um, went to my friend's house and told her what had happened, and she didn't know what to do, so she put on a documentary called The Women of Jonestown, and so now <laughs> my knowledge of this subject is a trauma response. <laughs> it's just forever etched in she your brain. She was just like, here, here, and there were women on the TV, like, he would make us do coke, and then... 
we would kill people. And I'm like, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. I'm having a wonderful day. <laughs> um, or they're like, we're actually biological sisters and we're sister wives. <laughs> I think that was actually a real line. And then like the third sister, which is like me and my family, was like, these bitches are crazy and we need to save them. <laughs> okay. So they succeed pretty well in Northern California because like they just like live on a commune and are like chilling. But it's not enough for Jim Jones. He's like, I love people loving me. <laughs> and there are not enough people in Northern California to love me. Yeah. I got to go somewhere with a bigger population. So he moves to San Francisco in the mid-1970s. So they stay in Northern California. It's like very unclear the movement years because it's like, they sort of some, pop, some, pop yeah, they, else and all of a sudden time. people are like, how did you get here? <laughs> and like when you live on a commune, it's not like. What are you doing like- in my house? <laughs> <laughs> and instead of waffle fries, he's like, I want your unbridled <laughs> support. <Daughter. and> <laughs> <laughs> no, not the daughter. Um, and like when you live on a commune, you're like not telling, and you're anti-government. You're not telling the government where you are. You're not like, hey. We just landed in Northern California. Come get us. They're like sending a postcard. (laughs) Okay, so this is when shit gets like mega whack. Like mega. So in the 1970s, he opens a church in San Francisco and a church in Los Angeles, which are like two massive metropolitan areas. Was it like was it like Scientology? And that's like we don't really know what was going on inside the if those walls could talk. The stories we kind of. I'll, I'll get into like we kind of know. Okay. A little bit because there are defectors. Okay. Who, like, then in these documentaries, like Women of Jonestown, like, tell their story and are like, this this is what happened and They're this like- is what would go on there and this is why we joined it. And I think it's, like, important to talk about a historical, like, why this was able to happen. Yeah. It's because the 1960s were, like, the pe- it's called the People's Decade, which was, yeah. like, just tumultuous change. You have assassinations of, like, presidents, presidents. civil rights leaders. Yeah. You just have um, Civil Rights Act. Like, all of this kind of happens. And so the people that come of age, the people that are 10, 11, and 12 during that time and see that as the only way the world kind of operates. The same way we grew up in thinking being at war was something that just existed. And yeah. It was always happening. They begin to form their own activism, which is, like, considered radical activism, which is, like, let's go live on a commune and, like, we're going to just live off the land and we're earth conscious and we're going to just do a lot of drugs and be one with the earth or we're going to create the biggest welfare program that's ever existed and feed all the hungry. So, like, like, it's a shame that that takes a hit in this episode because, like, there's nothing about that that seems unattractive to me. Like, Oh, nothing. But you'll see that this whole situation puts an end to radical activism. So that's what's spreading across the entire country. That's why you have Manson's ability to get people to do what he did. That's why these charismatic leaders, like, rise Mm. and are – and – also, the 70s, like, my favorite tweet of 2021 is, serial killers in 1970 did not know they were going around creating content. Yeah. <laughs> and it was because, like, people just wanted to ch- continue to change the world. And so they were completely trusting of people. 
And like you, there, here comes this charismatic guy who makes all these promises. and Or I'm trying to get to the People's Temple in California, and I live in Ohio. Sure, I'll fucking hitchhike there. Yeah. <laughs> like, and nobody's going to hurt me. I'm just trying to go change the world. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, like, have that in mind about the kind of people that join mm-hmm. the temple and why they're doing it. So he begins to gain a lot of favor and notoriety in San Francisco, and he's running medical and social programs like for the homeless, for the poor, where he gives them medical care with people that are in the church that are doctors. Um, he gives, he feeds the hungry, that kind of thing. So the public image was probably good in California. And he delivers the deciding number of votes for many political figures. So he's in the ear of politicians mm. being like, I have 20,000 followers mm. and we will all vote exactly the same way. So what are you going to give me in order to guarantee those 20,000 votes? He is absolutely having the time of his life yeah. swimming in all this power. Um, And his mission, the mission of racial integration, this church that's accepting of everyone no matter what and is doing medical, social, like, welfare work, it's very attractive to these young people that are like, I want to be involved in radical activism. Like, I want to go somewhere and feel like I'm changing something. Um, And so this is when he amasses. Like, he has, like, 20,000 followers at this point. Between San Francisco and Los Angeles, it is estimated that if asked, 20,000 people would say they're members of the People's Temple. That there's varying degrees of involvement. Right. I mean, there's there's like Catholics that don't go to church. There's Catholics that go to church on Sunday. There's Catholics that go to Mass every day. Like there were the devout and then there were the people that weren't going to go to Guyana. Or just the people who were like plugged in kind of but wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, I'm part of it. But the, the influence is still there. Yeah. So in 77... That's when the number 20,000 is said to have been. And that's like the peak okay. in 77. Um, Which 20,000 20, is a lot of people. That's, like that's the, a lot of that's people. That's like the entire, that's more than the entire town of Avon. <laughs> <laughs> or like that's more than GW? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, uh, it's like the underground. And he makes all of his followers, no matter their devoutness, refer to him as father. Ooh. <laughs> now we're getting into the weird shit. But... You do that in Catholicism, too. Yeah, but that's also some weird shit. Yeah, no, that's weird. (laughs) Weird across the board, not just when Jim Jones says it. And this is when, like, the news reports start to be like, what the fuck is going on with (laughs) 20,000 people who call this one dude father? Like, because, like, in the Catholic Church, like, there's seven fathers for every church. Like, no, this this guy is, like, daddy. (laughs) Like, he is... Call him daddy. Call him father. And... It, when you joined the temple, Jones would legally adopt your children, and you had to give up all your earthly possessions. Okay, okay, okay. I feel like I feel like that's a big fucking jump from where we just like, oh yeah, like I get the. I, there's a big difference between I get the newsletter like twice a month to my, my children are yeah, now so legally. Yeah, and so like there were the newsletter people. Who, like, if asked on the street, were like, yeah, we go to people's temples, healings, or whatever. Then there were the, you are the legal father of my children, and I no longer, you can have the deed to my home. Like, people. Like, you're my emergency contact. <laughs> if I'm on life support, you're the one who decides but to like, pull the plug or not. But, like, this becomes, like, a, re- like, he legally adopted all of these children. Which, like, just for fun, honestly, like... 
Wouldn't you like to just sit in on a meeting? Like, how charismatic just do you wait, have to be? Just wait for the be? next point. Also, another question. <laughs> is there no law in the United States that you cannot have more than a certain number of, like, legal children? Like, I think that, like, he just to- did it. And that's where the women of Jonestown come in. They would legally adopt. And, like, he was not legally married to that. Like, it was all, like, very... He had figured out how to cheat the system. And so it was like him and Marcy would adopt seven children. And then him and another one that he was legally married to only in Utah would adopt another. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, because that was another question. Where is polygamy legal or is that illegal in the U.S.? I don't even know. It's illegal, but he just kind of like the same way you can get around the bureaucracy and like not pay taxes. Like you just kind of get married in different states and don't let anyone know that you're married in a different state. Okay. Um, but a lot of people buy into this because he performs healings. And this it's, it's is the, giving Rasputin. It this is, is actually the giving the funniest Rasputin. part of the entire thing. He would, they're in Los Angeles. He would hire people that wanted to be actors. No. To come and join the temple for months and pretend to be really sick. <laughs> and he would like have them be in wheelchairs. They would receive chemo, etc. Only for him to then months later heal them. No fucking way. And the church would go fucking (laughs) bananas. But these people were just like whole time and just doing like an insane method acting retreat. He is an unbelievable con man. Wait, this is literally, this is like, (laughs) this is like during the Olympics when like the North Korea fans were actually like all (laughs) Chinese people that were hired to like go cheer for North Korea's soccer team. Like this is bad shit. He was like, Giving healthy people chemo, fake chemo and then healing them of Femo. cancer. And the reason we know this is his son was like, yeah, like they would come over for dinner and they were completely fine. <laughs> like, I don't really know. Like, I was just like not allowed to say anything. And like, I, that's so smart though. Like, I don't want to be he, like, yeah, that's really smart. Once again, so smart. he saw a need and he had it filled. He was like, these people need method acting training. I need 20,000 people to follow me to the South American jungle. <laughs> so this is a win-win for both of us. Talk about a quid pro quo. Yes. Okay. So he's performing these healings, which is like, okay. And I've got to say, if I saw someone get chemo and then be healed, I would, that would make me believe some things that I don't believe right now. Okay. <laughs> like I'm not going to put down these people that believed in the healings. The people of the temple, like, they live off the grid, and many, and he convinced the members that if they left the church and left the commune. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Here, yeah. Let the us. people assemble, they would be rounded up and put into government-run concentration camps. So, there's well, that. You know, that. There's that, that, that little thing. And so that's when families start to be like, I, I, I don't my my child hasn't written me. And that's because they think that their family is in concentration camps. So this is when people start to be like, I think things are weird. I just like added some quotes that he said just because like some of them were just so out of pocket. No, I, I think it was good that you did that. I think a little he um, start, personal flair. Yeah, so in 70, 70, mid-70s, he starts saying shit like everyone except him. He was, this is a quote from someone who survived. He was the only heterosexual on the planet. 
and that the women were all lesbians, the guys were all gay, and so anyone who showed interest in sex was just compensating. What? <laughs> what does that even mean? Okay, you know how like certain quotes like live, laugh, love get put on like blankets and like, and, like I'm gonna put coffee mugs. He I was need the this only quote. heterosexual on the planet. I need a I need a mug that says I am the only heterosexual on the planet. And so that is when he that's when he starts like doing the polygamy because he's like, you don't actually like your husband. Like you only like me. I'm the only heterosexual on the planet. Oh, okay. Now it's adding up. <laughs> Why would you say that? Like, to what end? Like, okay, so everyone's like, gay, all right? So but he's it's like, to get the women to be devoted to him. Yes. This is like hypnosis. He's like, he's like, but when you're with me, you can be heterosexual. This is like that episode of New Girl where Jess is like, be gay. You're gay. gay. You're gay, Nick. Be gay. My friends call me gay, Nick. <laughs> Not you, you fastidious queen. queen. <laughs> okay. So... Context. Manson gets caught in 69. So people in 69 start to look at all these communes and be like, what actually is going on there? He still hit his stride, you said, or like the peak in 77. Yeah, so so he, but we just need to remember that like. That's already happened. Manson is caught in 69. He's probably on trial in 74. Okay. Like, so this is all in the peak. And. A lot of what happened with Manson, people didn't understand. So it took years of consciousness to be like, oh, like, they were devoted to him, willing to do anything Mm. for him. He could tell them to murder people and they would go do it. It's more with a modern lens that we have all the information that we look back and are like, this is how Manson operated. And before that, that, we had no no understanding. That had never happened before. Yeah. Um, And I'm trying to think of what her name is because it's right around the same time. Patty Hearst, maybe? The one who's kidnapped by the Sibonese. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You know I don't hear me. You know I don't listen no, to No, but that's like, no, that's like an important one because she's the first ever Stockholm Syndrome case that gets taken to. You know I don't know these things. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know what Stockholm Syndrome is. Yeah, I do. Um, it's a One Direction song. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't, I didn't really like One Direction. I just know that. Um. So in 77... People are thinking he's he's amassed 20,000 followers and a crazy amount of wealth because he has deeds to everybody's houses and all of their personal belongings. Um, and they're signed over to Jim Jones himself, not to the people's stuff. J- Jim Jones, LLC. <laughs> <laughs> so people are like, OK, maybe someone there doesn't want to be there. So let's flash back a little bit. In 74, he could picture this happening. He was like, I'm getting too popular. People are going to come and get me. They're going to prey on my downfall. And he's like, my inner circle of men, so basically all of his wives, original husbands, um, he's like, you're going to go to Guyana and you're going to begin building, like, our commune there. Why did he pick Guyana of all places? Because Guyana had gained its independence from Britain in 66. So it was recently, and it's the only South American country where English is their official language. Oh, I thought it was just like, oh, there's a deal on Trivago for flights <laughs> to Guyana. <It's>, <laughs> no, it was, seems as good a place as it was, any. And it's the jungle. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> the jungle, which actually is gets interesting, but whatever. Um, so he sends them, and he's like, in a couple years, we're all going to follow you, but you need to, like, have houses and farms set up so that, like, 
when we get there, we're not starting from scratch. It's very, it's very like European colonialism of him. Like, pretty, yeah, pretty much. See, this is just like Roanoke, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Um, and he's like, we're gonna have a fully self-sufficient commune where we're gonna eat off the land. Nobody will. It's the middle of the fucking jungle. Nobody's gonna like come for us. <laughs> um, and they were gonna be able to survive the imminent end of the world. Okay. Which I do not think that Guyana was on the Life I magazine was list. Where was Guyana on, on the Life magazine ranking? So in 77, he moves the temple there. So 77 was a big year for them. Okay. They peaked. They had some bad stuff happen. And they were like, we're, we're going to move to South America. So there, the sad thing is there's not that many accounts of what actually happened in Guyana before everything went bad. Because not a lot of people survive it. Um, okay. But members of the temple were forced to work grueling hours in the fields that weren't going to be able to produce anything. Like, they had not checked the soil. Like, the, the, this was not ground. That was – it's the jungle. Right. Um, and they were frequently beaten and punished if they weren't producing food, that kind of thing. Because they – they were in the middle of the jungle. They didn't have anything to eat. If you're not bringing food in, like, people are going to start to... How die. many people went? Like, how big was the commune? Uh, 1,500 to 2,000. Which, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. It's not 20,000. But right. to get 2,000 people to move to the South American jungle with you, like, you're pretty charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, he creates kind of, like, this system of intelligence officers, and he forces members of, of the temple to snitch. So it's, like, a very not great thing and he's addicted to speed this entire time okay so, so at some he's point just during like this he gets addicted to drugs and he's it's going, like 77 they think because he was like crazy things are going really bad and i need to be awake and use all the hours of the day in order to move everyone to guyana so he builds himself a throne and he basically just sits there and like has his women bring him pills and he has like a radio broadcasting system and he just preaches like all 24 hours a day into a mic that like and it's it's really scary because when they show up after everything happens it's just playing on the loop yeah that's like right out of a movie um and so he once they're there he's like the end of the world is near we don't know that much about a guy and it might made us here so we need to practice revolutionary suicide He's like, this is the only way for us to get to heaven is by committing, like, this revolutionary. Um, and I have written, as he becomes increasingly addicted to amphetamines, Joan's attachment to reality becomes more and more tenuous. <laughs> <laughs> his, his touch with reality is getting Really. And he believed fuzzy. he was preaching that the end of the world was coming, but what he really believed was that people were going to come. Like, people were coming to get him. It was the U.S. government. It was the FBI. Someone was going to come and get them. And he was like, nope, we're going to commit suicide. Like, they will not. I will not be taken into custody. But the people believe that actual nuclear apocalypse is imminent. So in the middle of the night, he would ring the sirens through the radio system. And they would walk up. And they would practice... Mass suicide. Yeah. So they. How would, would they do it? It would be like punched that was not laced with anything. But in. But it was like this event. is how we line up. You do your like you do it in this order, and this is where you go because you live in this side of the camp and all that. So and like it weird. is also like 
a loyalty test. Because, like, hmm. sometimes you don't know if the fire alarm's real or not. So are you willing to drink the punch? I mean, I feel like if you're willing to move to South America, you'll probably drink the punch. Yeah, I agree, but... I mean, but also at that point, you're like, what? I'm in the middle of the jungle. If I survive and all these people die, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, that's true. They probably were like, ah, I, <laughs> I don't really want to live that bad. I made some choices. I don't know how I got here, but here I, I am. I do not know how I ended up here, but boy, oh boy, did I do something wrong. <laughs> so after only a year in Guyana, the U.S. government gets involved in like a very kind of strange way. Many of the people that were now living in Guyana had picked up and left their entire families back in California. And with the growing kind of American consciousness around cults that we talked about, many of these families that they had left reached out to their government officials or representatives, actually probably the Natalie Castigways of <laughs> Leo Ryan's office. <laughs> I'm picking up the phone. I'm like, how can I help you? They're like, yeah, I've got a story. Um, I think that my no, this is actually how I would this is how I would handle this call. Let's just do a little live action role play. Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's LARP this for a hot sec. I get a phone call and they're like, "Hey, hey, I think my mom was sucked into a um, suicidal cult in South America." I think the best thing I could say in that moment would be. Well, thank you so much for your call. I'm actually just going to place you on a brief hold so I can speak to my superior. And then I would go to my 21-year-old superior and be like, Ayo, what the fuck? <laughs> He'd be like, just keep him on the phone long enough. Make him feel like they've been validated and then hang up. The, the congressman is very concerned about the issue at hand and he will do everything he can. Does does your does your mother in the cult in South America have a mailing address? Perhaps we could try Did to... Did she vote in the last municipal election? <laughs> Do you have a phone number for her? They're like, no, she's in a cult in South America. Okay. So he's sleeping with everybody and nobody's allowed to talk about it, right? Okay. So, so we're going to just put that on hold for a second mm -hmm. because this is important. So the U.S. government's about to get involved. This is kind of the catalyst for it. Um, Tim and Grace Stone were a married couple. Okay. And they joined the temple in the early years of California. Tim was the attorney for the temple, and Grace was a member of Jones's inner circle, which means that she was she, sleeping with yeah. him. In 72, Grace gives birth to a boy, John Victor Stone. It's quite a name. And Jones claims to be the father. Tim signed an affidavit confirming... Jones as John's father. Okay. Because why fucking not? I'm the people's temple lawyer. I'm going to sign the paternity away to the leader. Well, they probably had to do that anyways because all the kids had to be his. So whether or not it's biologically his is sort of a moot exactly. point. So they defect in 1976, Grace and Tim. She had to leave her son with Jones. <gasps> no. Because he is legally the father of the right. child. So she and Tim go back to America and are like, okay, we're going to get our son back through the U.S. courts. Okay. Like we're going to file petition after petition and get him back. During these petitions, Jones takes John to Guyana. So okay. the kid's like in South America. They defect before the big move. Okay. I think when people started to be like, we're going to move to South America, they were like, they're like mm, things have gone a little too far. Ooh, I'm going to think that one through. 
Jones is like, no, this is my son. You cannot take him. It's becoming kind of a personal issue for him. This is like his belief is that they're going to start coming for his children and it's going to start there and then they're going to come for him. And so he really like bolts himself down on this point. He's Uh like, you cannot have the kid back. And the court orders say he has to give the test back, like the kid back. They had had hair. They paternity tested him. He's not Jones's kid. Um, if and so this is when Jones is like, if they get the the kid back, like then this it's, whole thing's a, gonna unravel. Yeah, because anyone can then claim that my kid is there, and they, so he's like. So the kid is comes to represent his whole power yeah. over the, and the commune so, and over people. So this is all happening. They defect in 76. We're now in 78. The court order says you need to give the kid back. And he's like, no. So that's kind of national news. Yeah. Because they're like, there's this kid was born in, let me check, 72. There's a six-year-old boy who is now living in South America without his parents. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, and that's he a was big probably deal. white. So it was like. They could plaster his yeah. face everywhere. and um, So in California, Leo Ryan is gaining notoriety for his commitment to social issues. He is a congressman, a junior congressman from okay. California. And he, like, is very committed to social issues. He had himself imprisoned in order to understand prison conditions to be able to actively, like, wow, do reform. Which is, like... That's so he, that's so, some commitment to the bit. That's some method yeah. acting. So he receives multiple of those little phone calls from constituents. And I'm just wondering how many they had to do before someone was like, oh, this story has been told 17 times or so, it's 72 so, times. Some intern is like does not know where to go with this. Um, I don't really think that there's a there's a category for this <laughs> in my where do I file this one? Is there a cults folder anywhere? Uh, in the this archive? time there might have been. Yeah. <laughs> So he's like, multiple people are like, they're on this plantation, they're in Guyana, like, they do not want to be there. So Leo Ryan, ever the method actor, is like, okay, I'll charter a plane and just go check it out myself. So he charters a plane with him, some newspaper reporters, and some of these family members that claim they have family in So does he just think that he's going to waltz in there and they're all going to be like hippy-dippy and he's just going to be like... All right, guys, show's over. Like, what I mean, is he I expecting? think he thought, and you'll see, he was going to take the defectors back with him. I think a big part of what he thought was like, there's probably people that are living a good life. Like, I don't think he thought it was as bad as it was going to be when he got there. But he was like, there's definitely people there that don't want to be there. They're in the middle of the jungle and they don't have a way to get back. I'm going to bring a plane and say anyone who wants to go back to America and back to their life can get on this plane with me. Not thinking... That, like, there's the leader <laughs> of the temple would not allow that if there's he had an, moved people to the remote jungle of South America. There's an animal killing, uh, child stealing, yeah. s- methamphetamine, like, it, addict. I, I just think that— Sitting on a throne, repeating over and over this nuclear ho- holocaust coming. My favorite thing about, like, 1960s, 1970s history is just, like, how idiotic the American people were. <laughs> like, d- did you not— think like about anything also the 1950s i'm like i hear things i'm like we we didn't question that we didn't think maybe they were just like let's just trust our government they're like let's send this 35 year old leo just go on the plane so 
he goes to the compound. Obviously, like, they dress the whole thing up. It's like a show. But he's on the compound. Several members expressed their want to leave. And he was like, you're welcome to defect. Like, under American law, you can come back on this plane on November 18th. So, wait, wait. I just want to clarify something. He is going there because he thinks this is going to give him political clout. Because he's going to get to come back with all these people and be like, look what I did. I saved saved, I saved them. Okay. Yeah. Which, Which, like... Uh, okay, but like, <laughs> and also he nobody brings needs to new- win an election that badly. <laughs> like, he brings these newspaper reporters to like photograph it, also a little bit to get people off their backs. He's like, stop fucking calling; they're having a good time. <laughs> like, shut up. So, whoo-hoo. like, a ta- why like, was he wrong? Like, Leo, like a town hall would have sufficed. Yeah, just like, send your thoughts and prayers, dude. Like. <laughs> like you didn't have to do all of this to get reelected. And, like, we've never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. You have. <laughs> I've never heard of him. Um, and so he, Jones sees these defectors that are, like, trying, please take me away from this horrible, horrible place as, like, the biggest betrayal. And this is when he kind of just unravels. Oh, this is when he unravels. Good to know that he's this like, whole time he's been raveled. <laughs> This is him raveled. Like, I think he's like a mummy, and he's like on his last bit of little like, because like he, he lasts for like six hours yeah. after this. <laughs> he's got like six hours left to live. The end is, the end comes it's, swiftly. It's imminent. Yeah. Um, he was right about one thing. So he like gets over his radio station. He's like, we're being taken over by a hostile government. Like everybody prepare. Well, he does this after he sends men. Okay. Let me just set the scene because okay. I got a little confusing there. Okay. Basically, Ryan is like, Congressman Ryan is like, anyone who wants to defect, come in this truck with me back to the airplane, and we're going back to America at this time. And Jones is like, obviously been putting on a show this whole time. He's like, you're not safe to go from here back to the airstrip because it's like the jungle and we don't know what's out there. My men are going to drive you. What a what a conscientious host yeah. he is. What, uh, so they have a that's truck. Hospitality. Yeah. They have a truck with all of the defectors, Congressman Ryan, his team, the news reporters, and the families. And they're going back to the Port Kutsamaya airstrip. And they get to the airstrip and the escorts open fire. Of course they do. Killing four people, including a congressman and Injuring all 11 others in the party. So. Oh, God. So now they've killed a sitting congressman. Oh, shit. So the guards go back and they're like, hey, dude, like we did what you asked. And he's like, okay, it is only days before the U.S. government comes and sees. Seizes. The compound (laughs) and. He's like, and I executed that murder. Like, I'm going to go to jail for that. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what he's going to go to jail for. Well, well, it is, but like. <laughs> well, because like up the until now, very, he, he had been walking a fine line between like stuff they didn't have laws for yet. He was playing a Mr. Kennedy when she was shorting the sock market. <laughs> he was like, I think I will be the person they make laws about, but right now they can't charge me with yeah. anything. <laughs> And he's like, and that will be my legacy. Wait, there's no law conspiracy to move a giant group of people to South America against their will. But it's not, first, ag- it's not against their will. Their will. But so, then afterwards, it is against their will. Once so there. once these guys come back, he begins to act, enact the plan for revolutionary suicide. 
that they had practiced. So his inner circle, which are these women's, <laughs> I, find, I, I know it's not funny to laugh and I, it's really sad, but the phrase is drinking the Kool-Aid. They fucking use Flavor Aid. They use generic brand. <laughs> <laughs> they went to Walmart and got fucking Flavor Aid. They don't have, they don't have, they don't have <laughs> Kool-Aid at Costco. You can't buy that shit in bulk. Jesus. And so they have this <laughs> vat, like a vat of Flavor Aid. And they're just ladling it into people's no, mouths. They, have, they put sedatives, cyanide, and tranquilizers in it. So like basically everything that Jim Jones had been stockpiling to take once speed stopped working. <laughs> Or, like, he has, was on uppers and downers, and they were just, like... <laughs> this all came from his personal pharmacy. Yeah. So they deliver an address... He delivers an address over the radio, telling everyone to come, and he's, like, we're going to do revolutionary suicide. It's happening. Um, and this is when this is going to take kind of a more somber and distressing turn. So the <sighs> jokes have ended for this episode. I, don't count me out just yet. <laughs> um... They all line up. There's a thousand people. They line up, and the plan for revolutionary side was to give it to the children first. So they give it them the poison via syringe by their parents, oh. who would then drink their own punch and die on top of their children. It was said by some people that survived that ran away. They thought it was a drill, and a lot of people thought it was a drill until people started dying. And then they realized, because every time before that they had done the drills, nobody died. And it was like, oh, that was yeah. just a drill. And he had told them that they were, like, in miles and miles of jungle. So these, like, very, very, very few people that ran that were like, okay, no, like, I'm not doing this. Were like, I'll just make a life for myself in the jungle. Ran two or three miles and reached civilization. <gasps> And we're like, you need to call someone and you need to get there now. Because you can still save but, some So people. that's how much he had, like, sorry. He had. He had created a hole over their eyes. Yeah. yeah. They thought that it was miles and miles of jungle and they were two or three miles from, like, actual civilization. So 909 people were murdered by Jim Jones. And he, this is just. He killed himself with a gunshot, and the time of death is after the last death by cyanide poisoning. So he watched everyone die. Yeah, because to him that was probably, like, your last loyalty, like, act of loyalty. He saw all the people die, and 304 of the people who died were under the age of 17, including— It's like a third—yeah, it's like a third of them. Including the child who the custody battle was over. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Only 33 people survived Jonestown. And did they survive because they didn't drink enough of the Kool-Aid or because they ran? So of these 33, it's unclear how many people ran. And then there was a group of people that had been sent to the capital of Guyana to, like, do something. Like, so they get just supplies. there they just at the time. Which included Jim Jones and Baldwin's only biological son, his first wife. Okay. Who's the one who in the documentaries is like, no, I knew all of it was fake. He was like, but it was my dad. Like, what was I supposed to do? Jesus. So that's where the phrase drink the Kool-Aid comes from. Well, because drink the flavor, it just doesn't have the same ring. Yeah, it doesn't have the same ring. It. And it's like the idea like you do something because everyone else is doing it. Um, 
But sort of I, an aggressive metaphor for peer pressure. <laughs> like there's peer pressure and then there's Jonestown. Yeah. So, I mean, ha- have you ever seen photos of it? No. Okay. So like these photos Should I not look that up after this. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think you just kind of need to see it okay. just to, like, understand. I hate stuff like this. What is that? That's all their dead bodies from above. <gasps> oh, 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 no, 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 no. Um, So that gets plastered everywhere, everywhere the next day, these images. And, like, if anyone wants to look up the end, like, they're horrifying. Um, so that, Jonestown brings the end of the 1970s radical activism. Everyone's like, that was dumb as shit. (laughs) We are never doing that again. That is so out of pocket. Stop that. If my kid ever says he's living on a commune, no. Um, and that we move into the straight lace 1980s. We get Ronald Reagan. Mm, Yes. Like the... Yep. The like... Conservative value nuclear family. family. Yep. And that's a, that's a part of why we end up there. And I think it's just important. This is like the last thing I want to say because I think it's important to say 400 of the bodies are unidentified and lay under a single tombstone in Oakland, California. So it just, you know. So they, they don't know who they were. No one claimed them. So these were people that were really looking for a community. That had nobody. That had nobody. And they were just preyed upon and taken advantage of by. Yeah. So for as many jokes as we made, it is a really sad story. But that's Jonestowns. That's how cults in America kind of came and went. He just kind of did the whole arch of them. Like there's a couple Jesus. of other interesting ones in there, but he it was like 20 years. Yeah. I can't believe the congressman. They killed a congressman. Yeah, they were but, like, I guess if you really believe the world is ending, anyone's an enemy. Well, yeah, I, I believe right now that the world is ending, not because of a charismatic leader, but because of the climate UN climate report. <laughs> I, do my, I still drink my silly little coffee every day and write my silly little papers. No, literally, what did I put my private story where I was like, uh, a time for me to go do capitalism. <laughs> The world is. No, I'm like putting down my Marxist theory to go <laughs> wait tables. No, no, we're currently existing in the in the overlap Venn diagram of like the end of the world and still having to go to work and like do stuff. Like, I want it to be either not the end of the world, in which case I just do all of those things, or the end of the world enough that no one expects anything. I know. Of I'm me. like, I go to Blackfin every day, and I'm like. Do you want ranch or blue cheese with your <laughs> buffalo chicken sandwich? You can say either. At the end of the day, it does not fucking matter. And I'm like, but tomorrow at 9.35, I'm going to go to class. And my professor's going to be like, it does not matter what your career is because the world is ending in 10 years. Is your professor like the second coming of... I won't even finish that sentence. Okay. And because we love my professor. Um, thank you for listening this week, Natalie. Thank you for making it not so terrifying that it was okay to listen to yeah i just I, think I it's hate like crime. not listen it heard about like a lot yeah and it's it was the single largest same day casualty of civilians before 9-11 whoa whoa okay wow yeah like in american history in american history yeah american civilians dying on the same day 
So my first loser from this week would be Flavorade, who got absolutely gypped oh, in the naming of history. Lost to history. Kool-Aid, whoever, whoever was like, no, they use Kool-Aid, better have gotten a million dollar raise at Kool-Aid. Also, <laughs> that just goes to show that the saying, there is no, there's no bad publicity, like is 100% <laughs> true. Like everyone's, everyone's still buying Kool-Aid and no one even bats an eyelash. No. They're just like, oh, drink the Kool-Aid. Like nobody even, but even then knows I, what like, it means. Yeah. Okay. Losers. I'm going to say... Another loser is probably companies that charter airplanes <laughs> just because, like, no one wanted to do that afterwards. Like, chartering airplanes took a really big hit. They're like, no, I'm okay. I'll fly commercial, thanks. Um, Put me in the back. I think another loser is Seventh-day Adventists who taught him about faith feelings. <laughs> they, they took a blow to their image. They were like, we need to stop this practice. Yeah, another loser is Eleanor Roosevelt, <laughs> who, like, really unfortunately gets tied up in his story somehow. And I think the only winner, and somehow he always seems to win on the backs of other people's distress, is Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> and that's how we end this week with Ronald Reagan's slander. <laughs> Thank you for listening, Natalie. Thank you for making it not so distressing that I won't sleep tonight, um, because God knows I would not have listened to a true crime on this. Okay. <laughs> See you See next, next week. week. And also, happy birthday to my co-host, Natalie, who it'll be her birthday when this comes out. Thank you. Thank you.